What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Monday. I'm Daniel Salerson, joined as always by Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. The Pelicans are 2-1 and one, heading into tomorrow's game against the Phoenix Suns after a win last night over the San Antonio Spurs, 98-95. to 95. To help us talk about the Pelicans and the rest of the NBA, we're joined by senior writer Michael C. Wright of NBA.com. Michael, I appreciate the time. Happy holidays to you and yours. How are you? I'm good. Happy holidays to you guys. You guys are seeing some good basketball, uh, which is pretty good because, you know, the Pels have kind of the last few years notoriously gotten off the slow start. So, you know, what we're seeing now is fun to watch. And I think the, the great thing about it is we're sort of seeing these guys grow up before our very eyes. And that's encouraging. Yeah, it is encouraging. I think it's, it's really encouraging on the defensive side of the ball as the Pelicans two wins have come while allowing under 100 points to both of their opponents. So when you've been watching this game, you, you touched on before we got on about how you watched last night's game between the Spurs and the Pelicans. What has caught your eye on the defensive side of the ball with this team? Well, you know, it's okay. Obviously, you know, Stan Van Gundy said coming in that, you know, that, def- you know, improving defensively was going to be a priority. And you see the steps that they've taken to, to, to sort of advance to where they want to go from that standpoint. Like, you know, everything I've heard, you know, whether it's uh, Griff talking, uh, Swing Cash, I've heard uh, J.J. Reddick talk about it. They've all talked about how, like, everything is, is very clearly defined. There's all, and there's just this, this major uh, emphasis on fundamentals and, you know, just every little thing being done, you know, a certain kind of way. And I think when you do that, like, because we all know these guys are pros. They know how to play basketball. They know what they're doing. But the thing is, is when you, you know, kind of hone in on all all these small things and you're constantly doing it day after day after day after day, what happens is when you get in those critical situations in a game, then that becomes basically muscle memory. And you saw that last night when, you know, when Eric Bledsoe makes that play on DeMar DeRozan to win the game that becomes muscle memory. That's, you know, they're used to doing that. They don't have to think about it. So that's what I've seen. I've seen a very deliberate approach to every little thing and it's all working. Certainly we have to talk about the start to Brandon Ingram, who's had, uh, you know, had a really good year last year, winning most improved, making his first all-star game. And then this year, you know, averaging almost 26 points per game, but also dishing out almost six assists right now too. Um, When you look at, the level of play from him and what you're starting to see out of him. It just seems like there's so much more confidence in him, even though it's only three games, but after getting his contract this summer, after doing what he did last year, it just feels like he's ready to take his game to another level. I think he's already taken it there. But the thing that's, that that's even, I don't, I don't know if it's scary about him, but like you, you've heard uh, Stan Van Gundy say that, you know, like you'd like to see him not have to create as much on his own as he's doing right now. So, you know, what happens once that happens, you know, once, once he, he starts to get, get those, you know, where he can just, you know, catch and shoot and things like that. And he's not having to create so much. It's going to be, it's going to be nasty, man. Like really it's fun to watch right now. And like you said, I think the biggest thing we we're seeing out of BI right now is that confidence. Like, I mean, he's out there with some swag, you know, and he's making it happen and he's doing it on, on, you know, not just offensively. I mean, he's making making a mark defensively too. That length and you know his his ability to, to you know contest shots and things like that. That's major. That's major. And you know, like with with sports, pro sports, 
there's always like, okay, like this right here is, is your experience, your experience and your, your knowledge of the game. This is your athleticism. And there's always that intersection, you know what I mean? And when you get to that intersection, you're like at your prime. And with BI, it's happening like, you know, like the athleticism here isn't going anywhere because he's still a young guy. And this is going up so, so much, it's going up so fast. And I think that that is going to give him a ton of prime years because, you know, that he, he's advancing so quickly in his, in his knowledge of the game, his experience and things like that. I'm, I'm curious before I give it to Jim to hear what your expectations were of this team heading into the season. Of course, it's only three games they're two and one, but let's say, you know, before you've seen three games of this team, what were your expectations of them in the Western conference as far as where they might stack up with some teams? You know, it's such a tough Western conference. We've known that for years. And this year might be the toughest of them all with so many teams that can compete. Um, but what were your expectations of this team heading into this season? And, and what have you seen from them that, maybe has changed your mind or maybe has not in just three short games. Well, the, the thing is about this team and, and this collection of players, I've believed in them for a long time. I mean, I, Jim will tell you, I mean, there's been times we've been in the media room in New Orleans. I'm like, this team is going to be good. And this was a couple years ago. I was saying this. So, you know, like I was actually a little shocked by the way they performed in the bubble. That was shocking to me. I thought they would do a lot better than they did. And then so, you know, fast forward and, and you switch coaches, I automatically thought just the, 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 the change in coaching was going to sort of give them, you know, another 10 wins or so. So, I mean, coming into the season, I thought and I still think that they're going to be in the mix for, for you know, in, for the playoffs. I mean, they'll, you know, seven, eight seed somewhere around there. But you know, if they keep on sort of advancing as fast as they are, I, I almost think that, you know, maybe I set the bar too low by saying seven or eight seed. Like, they may have a chance to get up there somewhere in the middle of the pack. I think that's how good this team can be. Um, you know, I, like Lonzo Ball, like a guy like him, I expected him to take a huge step this year. And, and, and you know, we haven't seen it, you know, all the way yet. But, man, five steals last night, that was huge. And I can only see, you know, his his production just kind of, you know, improving, working with Stan Van Gundy. And, you know, right now with the way the, the roster is sort of set up, you have a nice collection of these young guys, but you've got veterans that have played in big games. You know, you've got Steven Adams, you've got Eric Bledsoe, you know, you've got some guys that can sort of settle settle things or, or calm nerves or whatever whenever things get hectic in, in a chaotic ball game. So, to me, it's just the right mix of veterans and young guys. And I think they got the right coach. Uh, they're building a culture there. And not only are they building a culture, all those guys have bought in. You can see it. You see it out there on the floor every night that they've played so far. You know, Michael, you use the word shocking to describe the way they performed in the bubble. I think there's some more colorful terms that I could use to say <laughs> my reaction to what happened there. But I want to say at this point, I'll, I'll try to never bring up the what the, happened in the bubble again as far as the way that they played. But as far as moving forward to this season, um, one of the things that you mentioned a couple minutes ago that I thought was a, a really good point about the recent history of this team is that they – I think the word you used was notorious as far as the slow starts that they've gotten off to. Right. I feel like it's almost um, hard for people to – it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea that they're off to a good start, that they're 2-1-1. I know it's only been three games, but it's been very refreshing – 
just to see the, the way that they've played so far. But um, in terms of the league overall, though, what, what do you think about what's been your reaction to this? The first week as, as far as across the league, I mean, I know Oklahoma city's the only undefeated team in the West, just like everyone predicted. And so <laughs> some, some of the teams in the East that people thought, you know, have no chance to make the playoffs, maybe not even be in contention for playing are off to really good starts. I mean, Cleveland's undefeated. How, how crazy has this first week been in terms of just expectations? You know, I think the thing that sticks out the most, and it's it's a small thing, but, you know, when you go from day to day, you know, you're sort of hopping on all these different Zoom calls with these different teams. And one of the, the themes that's starting to emerge here is just how hard this season is going to be for these teams. I mean, these teams are getting on the road, and they can't even – they literally can't even have team meetings. So, you know, how do you – come together and, you know, sort of implement a game plan for that next night or whatever. Like those are the types of things that they're dealing with. And, you know, I, you know, I've heard podcasts where players are talking about how, like, you know, you go into the building and they're trying to get you out as quickly as possible because, you know, you're trying to, you know, mitigate the risks and everything. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that is like, you know, it's a small thing, but, the teams that, that will be able to, to, to find a way or workarounds for, for, you know, just the, the limited face-to-face -face that they can have, those teams will be the teams, I think, that, you know, they're going to excel this season. And I, I think that's been the biggest thing, you know. Yeah, we saw some weird things, uh, like what was it, the Clippers the other day. I mean, that was crazy. They're down 50 points at the half to the Mavs. You didn't expect that, obviously. Um, you know, but – so far, I think the, the, the whole COVID-19 impact is the most significant part of it because you have no bubble to protect these guys and these teams are doing the best that they can. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how everything sort of falls into place once we get, you know, 20, 25 games in. We've seen, obviously, a bunch of regular seasons and we've seen the way teams start. And sometimes it doesn't really mean anything and sometimes it does. I mean, how much do you factor in the first part of the season? Do you think you know, for a team like Orlando or a team like Cleveland, um, <clears throat> Indiana, Atlanta, those teams are undefeated with multiple wins. I know OKC's only won one game. How much stock do you put into what's happened so far? Or do you say under all the different circumstances right now, it's hard to really make too many um, proclamations or, you know, assessments of what's happened? I think you got to be picky, I guess, about like what, 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 what declarations or what, what things you glean from what you see. Yeah. But yeah I think right now it, it's, way too early you know just to to, to gauge what's going to happen I mean like look you like look at Houston for instance you know um you know they lost their first game against Portland but wow what a showing that was and then you're like why would why on God's green earth would James Harden want to leave this this might be the chance for him to have the best team he's had since he's been in Houston and yeah. so you know like okay is James Harden going to be on that team you know 20 games down the road we don't know and so you know it it's really fluid right now. And I think, you know, we've got to wait until we sort of settle in, like I said, 2025 games, when you start to start, you know, you start to see those patterns and everything, but right now it's too early, but that's not going to stop me from making my own little, you know, individual, you know, observations with these teams, you know, just like the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans are going to be good, man. I think that, you know, right now, this is just the infancy. These are the beginning stages. I, I think that they're just going to get better and better and better the more they work with Stan Van Gundy and the more that they really, you know, push towards achieving that, that, that culture that they all want out there in New Orleans. 
Yeah, it's definitely not going to stop the power rankings from coming out. I right. feel some of the most interesting and probably most read articles are the Monday early in the Mondays early in the season when people, including NBA.com, put out the power rankings. I I read them every week and I love listening. I've seen two today. Just today, I've already yeah. read through two of them. Yeah, I haven't had time to read them yet, but I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what John Schumann has to say and to see where he has some of these teams ranked that have kind of come out of nowhere. Some of the teams I mentioned earlier. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, before I go back to Daniel briefly about the, uh, the article that you wrote recently about the NBA league pass, the all NBA league pass teams, I guess you had basically five teams that were uh, first string. And then you, you, your sixth team was the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I've had a couple days when I've had time so far in the season where I've probably watched, I don't know, four or five games all in one day. It's been awesome just to see, just to have basketball back and have real games back. But um, has there been any team that you've seen so far that maybe wasn't on your list or some team that, that has surprised you as far as, you know, a team that you watched and you were like, man, I really enjoy watching this team. Man, I got to be honest with you because I, I really, I've been so focused in on the Southwest and the Northwest divisions. I really haven't gotten a chance to check everybody out. I mean, um, we saw Brooklyn, for instance. I mean, you knew Brooklyn was going to be good. You, I mean, but to actually see it manifest itself on the court is a totally different thing. So that was surprising, uh, just how good they are. Golden State has been surprising because I thought they'd be better. I, I really thought that, you know, and I'm not trying to diminish the impact that Klay Thompson has, but, you know, you think that that collection of talent, you know, just the nucleus with Draymond and Steph, you, you, you're thinking that's good enough to, to put you in playoff contention. And, you know, it just kind of goes to show you, you know, how important sometimes one, one player can be on these teams. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten a chance to, to watch all like, cause I really want to watch a lot of uh, Charlotte because mm -hmm. LaMelo just like in preseason, just some of the passes he was making. I want to see that, you know, kind of on a, on a nondescript Wednesday night, Tuesday night or something, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. I was lucky because I didn't watch the, their, I couldn't watch their opening game because the Pelicans were playing at the same time, but Saturday I watched their game against OKC and LaMelo had a great, uh, first half he looked really good it was fun watching him play and um, just the passing that he the way he sees the floor is very similar to his brother obviously who plays here in New Orleans so but it, it was fun to, the uh, the teams that you had by the way just for people listening was uh, Atlanta Houston Phoenix Portland Washington and Charlotte we're actually going to get to see Phoenix play tomorrow night against the Pelicans so that that should be an interesting game it's also on TNT, but something that, uh, well, I haven't seen Phoenix yet, but I'm looking forward to watching them as well. Well, I didn't have the Pelicans on my list. They would have been on the list too, but they weren't on the list because they got plenty of national TV games. I basically sure. went with, sure. the, with the teams that didn't have any national TV games really. And right. that's sort of, that was my criteria. If you had, I think fewer than 10 national TV games, then you know, you're in a running for it. That's what I was going to ask you next is what is the criteria just based on, obviously you're right. You know, teams like Brooklyn, teams like the Pelicans are going to have tons of national TV games. But when you look at teams that you want to watch, is it player based for the most part? You mentioned LaMelo Ball, maybe one of the stars on a team that doesn't get a lot of attention, like the Atlanta Hawks typically with, with Trey Young and, and Collins and, you know, with, with Gallinari, or is it team based where you're like, wow, I think this team could be really intriguing this year, but just doesn't have a lot of attention yet. How do you base your your what you want to watch uh, on League Pass? 
Really, it's just the team. This it's straight up matchups. I mean, and I'm selfish. I'm not gonna lie, I'm selfish. So since you know my main um, coverage responsibilities are are the Western Conference, then obviously I'm gonna look at mostly West. You know, I'm gonna watch mostly Western Conference games. But say I I see Brooklyn matching up against somebody. You know, maybe middle of the pack, bottom of the pack in the West. I might you know take a look at that. But yeah, I mean, and sometimes it's just matchups. I mean, you know, like, okay, uh, I haven't even looked at the schedule far enough to know if the Pels and Charlotte are playing, but I'm watching that game if it comes up. You want to see the Ball Brothers going January 8th. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's you want to see that game. So, yeah. you know, like, you know, things like that. I mean, it, it, there's really no, for me, no rhyme or reason for why I do what I do. I mean, sometimes it's just certain trends you notice. And so, Hey, I need to watch the Rockets. Like, for instance, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to watch two of the Rockets games this week because I want to know, like, okay, now after three games, three games in, why would James Harden want to leave? Because I honestly think that he's got a really good team around him. And so I think they will have played their third game, I think, Wednesday or something like that. And, you know, okay, let's take stock after that. And then let's figure out why it is that James wants to leave the, the Houston Rockets. That leads me to that last last question. And Jim kind of brought it up a little bit as far as sample size with only three games. At what point, especially with um, the implications of COVID-19 and teams having different schedules, like we saw Orlando and Washington play a back-to-back against each other and knocked out those two road games for Orlando. Same went for the Suns and the Kings this weekend. At what point do you give it enough of a sample size to figure out what this team is like for the year? Like for the Pelicans, are you – waiting to see how their first 10 games go. Is it 15 games? Is it 20? When's it enough this year, especially with the short turnaround and the short schedule where you're like, okay, I think I figured out this team is going to compete for a, a playoff spot or this team may not be as as good this year. At, at what point do you figure that out? Or what is it going to take for you to figure that out, I guess? I think like, you know, because teams 15, 20 games down the road, I think you'll start to see some separation, you know, as far as, you know, okay, these teams are going to be the ones that are going to be good this year. These teams are a year away, two years away, whatever. So, you know, I think I, I, for me, it's, it's 15, 20 games, you know, where I start to say, okay, okay, this is what this team is going to be. Um, but I, I think every team's individual situation, you know, comes into play too. So, you know, like the Pelicans, for instance, you got a new coach, you, you've got young players and, and in many cases, you know, some new players or whatever. Um, and so you're trying to figure out how quickly they can implement everything that they want, you know, with Stan Van Gundy. And by the way, Jim, you were talking about the power rankings. One stat I noticed in Schumann's piece was a uh, defensive rebounding percentage for the Pels. Somewhere it's close to 80, I think 79.3%, which is an area that they came into the season wanting to improve. And so, you know, you look at these little small little metrics or whatever, and, and you start to see these things. And so I don't know, man. Um, I think that, I don't know, 20, 20 games for me. Yeah, that that's fair enough. And it is, it is tough. And I think it also depends, like you mentioned, on the team and the circumstances right. and things like that. If the Rockets end up trading Harden, then you have to reset a little it bit. Changes, whoever, yes. whoever gets James Harden that trade, you have to reevaluate what they might be able to do with him on their squad too. This is great stuff from uh, Michael C. Wright, senior writer for NBA.com. Try to have him on as much as he can. Uh, we can because he brings great insight and also – you know, as he focuses on the Southwest and the Northwest division in the NBA, 
Um, I feel like he's always a, a great read. So, uh, Michael, I appreciate the time. Enjoy all the hoops, and we hope to talk to you soon. All right, guys. Hey, I just can't wait until I can get down there and, and get some of that good food in me, man. So We're hoping that's you know. soon. <laughs> yeah, me too. Michael also brought a, a great shirt to the table today. I love that shirt. It's a scene from Goodfellas. I think it's the one where Joe Pesci says, asks him, am I, a am I a clown to you? I think everyone knows that who's seen that movie. So no, you know, what? you'll be shocked at how many people have not seen that movie. And then when they finally see it, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the greatest movie ever. Like really? about 30 years too late, bro. But yeah. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> That's disappointing, but I, I guess we're kind of dating ourselves here a little bit too by, by talking about that. But, Michael's but yeah, bringing no. the pop culture references to our <laughs> podcast, which we desperately need. So we appreciate it, Michael. <laughs> All right, guys. You have a good one. You too. So good stuff there from Michael C. Wright of NBA.com. And, and as we are, we're taping this show, we got the news that Brandon Ingram has been announced as the Western Conference Player of the Week. Well-deserved. Ingram became the first player in Pelicans history to post at least 80 points, 20 rebounds, and 20 assists the team's first three games of the year. Of course, the Pelicans with a 2 and record, averaging 26.7 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, and 6.7 assists. Jim, we talked about it with Michael. I mean, the man has done everything so far for this team, Brandon Ingram. And what's really cool about Western Conference Player of the Week, because there's always so many times in the past that we've had players that have probably been eligible, but it also takes the team winning that week in order to be named that. So the fact that the Pelicans are 2-1 and one allows Brandon to win the award, which was – much deserved for last week. Yeah, I, I think a huge reason why the Pelicans are two and one and they have two quality wins against Toronto and San Antonio is the fact that he's been able to have stretches where he's taken over games. I know Stan Van Gundy has talked about he doesn't want that to have to be the case, but as the team kind of finds its legs and finds its footing, especially at the offensive end of the floor, it's been so valuable to have a guy who can create his own shot and just get buckets the way he can over a stretch where he I think it was the Toronto game. He had a stretch where he scored 10, 12 points in like four minutes. So that's been huge, but he's, it's been fun just watching him kind of already show that he's probably going to move up to another level this year. I mean, the jump that he made last year was great, but it looks like we, he has another one of those in store for us this season. And, and, and it's been so big now when the team overall can kind of get, get a more, maybe more cohesive offensively and figure some things out and shoot the ball a little better. I know sometimes that's out of their control, but when that happens and you, and you have Brandon playing the way he's playing um, individually, I think that good things are definitely going to be, be uh, in store this season. And it's good to see that they've won two out of their first three games. And now they're just going to try to build from here. Yeah. I think Caroline asked us to stay in Van Gundy, Caroline Gonzalez of Pelicans radio about clutch time because the Pelicans were not very good in clutch time, but Brandon Ingram, I mean, you, you sort of had that guy and even him last year, he did everything he can to try to be that guy to close out games, but it seems like he's on a different level this year. And he definitely was a huge reason why down the stretch yesterday that the Pelicans were able to walk away with their first win at home. Yeah. I think one of the biggest stats that I'm following this season and it's super early, obviously, but just the way that they play, as you mentioned in clutch time, they were 13 and 28 record wise in, in clutch games last season, which was the most losses of any team in the league, which is um, that was so costly in terms of them be, going from a team that was on the fringes of making the playoffs to the, go the goal of actually getting in. It seemed like that was a massive stumbling block. And honestly, for people who followed the team the last few years, I think everyone knows that that's been an issue where in, the, in close games, they've really struggled. So 
for them to to win Sunday against San Antonio, I know the game against Toronto didn't really technically count as a clutch game because it wasn't that close in the last few minutes, but um, that's definitely going to be huge. And, and when you have a Western Conference where there's so many teams that seemingly have about the same amount of talent and have about the same amount of ability, um, it could that could be what it comes down to as far as whether you make the playoffs or even what what seed you end up. I, I know we've talked about this a little bit that seeding matters a ton this year because you want to finish in the top six and avoid the play in. And then each spot from seven through 10 also has a, a reward in terms of home or home games or away games in the play in round. So um, every, as Michael will mention in, in the podcast too, that um, they're focused on a lot of those attention to detail type things and a lot of really small areas that, so far they've, they've done really well in a lot of those things. And hopefully that's going to add up to more wins this year. The Pelicans certainly have a busy week again. Again, they're basically playing every other day um, until, you know, it feels like uh, next, the end of next week or so, maybe even later than that. I think it's the weekend of uh, January 8th um, that they do have a couple of days off, but tomorrow it's the Pelicans and the Suns 9 PM central time nationally televised on TNT for those out of the market locally Fox Sports New Orleans and ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. We will have another podcast tomorrow. Dwayne Rankin, who covers the Phoenix Suns there in Arizona for their local newspaper. He'll hop on. If you remember, he was on our draft preview podcast focusing in on the Phoenix Suns. He'll be back tomorrow to preview that game. And on Thursday, we're able to get Royce Young of ESPN. He'll be on Thursday to preview Pelicans and Thunder, which is New Year's Eve at 7 p.m. Central. And then the Pelicans will wrap up the week back at home for just the second time in the regular season as they welcome back in the Toronto Raptors, who will probably be looking for a little bit of revenge after what happened on opening night. Big thanks again to Michael C. Wright and, of course, Jim Mike and Hoffer. You can read all of his stuff on pelicans.com or the mobile app. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer, always bringing us some great stuff. And if you haven't read it yet, his three-part on Sam Van Gunny's three-part piece on Sam Van Gunny was incredible. So make sure you go back and reread that if you haven't had the chance. Jim, I appreciate it. It seems like we're going to have more podcasts now with the season in full gear. So anytime we can talk about Pelicans basketball, especially when they're winning, they'll certainly be fun. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. And thank you for the kind words about the Van Gundy feature. That was a lot of fun to do, especially doing the interviews. I spoke to his father, who was so much fun to listen to and joke around with he made fun of my baseball fandom which i'm sure you would appreciate he asked yeah. me what, if there was something wrong with me that i'm a phillies fan but i also got to speak with uh um stan van gundy's one of his good friends that he's known for a long time that he played college basketball with so that was hopefully people will enjoy reading that as much as i did as far as doing the interviews and, and writing it well just so you know in your new contract with pelicans podcast i'm contractually obligated to compliment you at least once every podcast and and promote your work so that's why i was so nice to you earlier so. i knew there had to be i knew there had to be a reason for, for that i just had to clear it up but well done by your agent to get that in there so i <laughs> I, I appreciate the hustle by you uh, but nonetheless yeah great work by jim and uh, he'll join us tomorrow again as we preview pelican the suns that's gonna be a big one second night second game of a tnt doubleheader until then i'm daniel salerson thanks for listening to the pelicans podcast presented by seeky